On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, are the Oklahoma City Thunder the best team in the NBA? Josh Giddy bouncing back against Portland. What does that mean for the future of this season? We'll talk about it all on today's show. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member, editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com. Ryland Styles. follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod. Follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. On today's show, brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 money line bet by visiting FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. To get started, we'll t- we're talking about if the Oklahoma City Thunder are the best team in the NBA. Josh Giddy has a massive bounce back in his ninth career triple-double against Portland as the Thunder embarrassed the Blazers. And what stood out, even in garbage time for the Oklahoma City Thunder. But I think it continues to be fair to wonder if this Thunder team is the best team in the NBA. And and you can you can look at the expectations, you can look at what is supposed to be happening right now in this league, what's supposed to happen for young teams. But against Portland, that was another test for this team and, and another adjustment that they had to go through. Something that they struggled with a week ago, whenever they beat Boston at home, went on the road to play Atlanta and could not handle a back-to-back with travel. They got that same opportunity seven days later and looked completely different in that setting. And then those things happen, like what happened in Atlanta, even happened to Boston, who I think most people would say is the best team in the NBA. I would still say Boston is the best team in the NBA, but it's at least a conversation to be had after what we've seen through the first 30-something games for Oklahoma City, which I don't think anyone thought would be possible at this point for this Thunder team to be in the conversation for the best team in the NBA, uh, or especially even just one of the best teams in the NBA. So clearly nobody is going to crown Oklahoma City for beating this terrible Portland team, or even Scoot Henderson, of course, has looked awful all year. I still think Scoot Henderson will you know, eventually become a really great player in this league. You saw flashes of it throughout the season, but he shot 19%. The entire Portland team shot 27% from the floor, shot 22% from three, and were just outmatched in this game. The Thunder once led by 62 points, and they led you know, wire to wire almost. Portland got the opening tip and went up five on a 5-0 run, and after that, it was over, and it was all... Thunder basketball. And so when the Thunder shoot 57% from the floor, 40% from three, 86% from the free throw line, they're going to win a lot of games. And they've done that this year. They've been one of the most efficient teams in basketball. Portland, you're not going to see this very often, won the turnover battle 12 to nine and got beat by 40 points. Uh, But with the Thunder's ability to play make and expose defenses, their offense is going to be able to get them to the next level. We talked about leveling up 
on the last show and how they're using Chet better, how they're using this assortment uh, of talent better on the offensive end. And we know what they're capable of defensively. Uh, although things did wane last week, they've turned them back around and, they, and they've really kind of done a 180, which goes back to what we were saying of even Boston, who I think like most 99% of people would have Boston as the best team in the NBA. They haven't lost a home game all season long. Even Boston was blown out, like just obliterated on the second night of a back-to-back, and they had a, set, a schedule loss. Now, their schedule loss came against the Milwaukee Bucks, which, which feels a lot better uh, than having it against Atlanta. But still, th- those type of things just happen. You know, Milwaukee is not 50 points better than Boston. Uh, but on the second night of back-to-back, with, with, with travel involved, it certainly could look that way. But but the stats of this Portland game are fun to dive into because it was you know really a historic game. I mean, it's historic in a multitude of reasons with the third-quarter margin of victory, with the total margin of victory for Oklahoma City being the largest that it has been in franchise history, uh, only OKC era, of course. Points in the paint, 70 to you know, 30. Second-chance points went OKC's way, but only by one. Uh, and then fast break points on OKC's way by three. You know, while the stats are interesting and, and we're going to dive into Josh Giddy's triple double, dive into what Shea was able to do, because I think that Shea quietly had uh, one of his most efficient games of the year, uh, especially whenever you consider his rotational change. The, the box score and the game stats don't really matter about the story of this game. The story of this game was continuing to see the uncommon maturity from this team like that was a maturity test from Oklahoma City you're one checking yourself compared to what everyone has said and agrees is a a disappointing and unacceptable level even with all the excuses involved for that last road trip where you go two and two and lost to some pretty mediocre basketball teams you get to test your medal after facing that you got to see this team make yet another wave of adjustments. Like they've done this all year where they struggle at one area, then they're able to turn it around. This is the most recent example of it. They've learned to now manage an NBA schedule. They're going to have to keep doing it. This is in the midst of a, a brutal January. They're playing five games and seven nights. They're playing uh, back-to-backs every other day. Uh, and it's going to be really grueling and really tough and continue to do so. Uh, but seeing this young team be so uniquely able to grow game to game is as impressive as their year over year leap seeing Chet Holmgren adjust whenever every time he plays a different big you know the same big twice in a row he's able to figure out new ways to uh, exploit that matchup you saw him get better against Jokic game after game get better against uh you know the Cavs bigs big you know game over game and in all these teams that he's played twice he's gotten better at you've seen the standard team uh start the year and they couldn't hold on to big leads at all now they're able to extend leads and lay the haymakers and knock teams out. You saw this team not be able to handle a back-to-back last week. Now they handle it better than you could ever expect a team to handle a back-to-back. And a lot of that was just due to the quality of team that they are, but also the the mindset that they go into it, as Shea said after the game, that you know they wanted to come out, wanted to make a statement uh, about how you're supposed to play in those moments where you're playing on a back-to-back with all of the distractions that come with it. We are not getting in until 4 a.m., but they wanted to make a statement, and they did that by blowing out Portland. We can continue to put qualifiers on this team, put qualifiers on what um, they're able to achieve or should be able to achieve, but they continue to blow right past those things. 
It's still a long season. There's still an entire second half of the regular season to go. I still believe the playoffs are a different bowl game. But every time you've tried to limit this Thunder team, they've not allowed you to. They've broken through uh, those those expectations. The expectation this year was to be in the top six. And like, hey, that'd be a really good season if the Thunder could survive this Western Conference and be in the top six. You know, even for as as muddled up as it still kind of is right now in the Western Conference and will be all year long where you know, only one bad run separates the Thunder from being a play-in team because uh, the first play-in team at the seven seed is New Orleans and they're four and a half back of of the first place, you know, they're four games back of Oklahoma city, you know, four games is not a lot. That's, I mean, that's, if you let that road trip spiral, that's four games right there. The thunder have done a unique job as a young team though. They haven't lost more than two in a row all year long. You know, think back to last year's team who accomplished so much and did so many great things. They went on multiple four game losing streaks, a five game losing streak. They, and, and they dropped multiple games that they shouldn't. This team's ability to snap out of cold streaks and build on their their hot streaks separates them from not only last year, but separates them from almost every other team who's been in their position as this young collection of talent. I think that the Thunder have a, a really good argument for being the best team in the NBA. I would still give it to Boston. I think they have a good argument for being the best team in the Western Conference, and the argument is they've done it. Like. If you just look at what this team has accomplished this season and put it all on paper, the teams that they've beat, Minnesota, they've beaten Denver multiple times, they've beaten, um, of course, Golden State multiple times, like for whatever that's worth. I don't know if Golden State's terrible this year right now, but uh, still, that's a little bugaboo for the Thunder. Uh, they've beaten Boston, they've beaten Minnesota, the Clippers, who are the, the hottest team in basketball, it feels like, with, with their nine-game winning streak heading into that game, and they've played so well since the James Harden trade. Uh, since they've kind of regained their their footing after that deal. They've played the top teams and beat the top teams. The only team that's really given them trouble, they've played Dallas, beat Dallas, uh, is is Sacramento. They they really, really struggle with Sacramento, and that's a matchup that I don't think anyone in Oklahoma City would want right now. But other than that, they've answered the call to every matchup. And so they can only play who's in front of them. They can only... Um, go with the cards that they're dealt. But the Thunder to this point have made a compelling case for the top team in the West, in the West compelling pace for, for top team in the NBA. And I just continue to fall back on what we've discussed on this show of if your only hesitation with this team is their youth, that's not really good enough. And yes, the rebounding is, is, is an issue. Um, but every team has an issue. Every team has something they need to build on and, and improve upon. There is not a perfect team in this NBA it's why everyone kind of views um, this, you know, title window as being so open right now, and why I think that the trade deadline could get really interesting uh, with so many teams feeling in it this year. It's for that reason that there is no perfect team. The Thunder's, you know, weakness is the rebounding, and that is glaring, and the second chance points off of it uh, are gonna are gonna ruin some games for them, uh, both in the reg- regular season and in the postseason. But it's how much it's how many other things that they can do to uh, counter that and to mask that that allows them to be so successful because they have been successful despite that rebounding woes and those rebounding woes. And even when they win the rebounding battle in games, they lose the second chance points still. So that's going to be a constant issue uh, until something changes. Uh, probably with the, with the roster at this point, I think that we've seen a large enough sample size to say that, you know, this current roster is always going to struggle rebounding. It's always going to struggle giving up second chance points. It's, it's going to be reliant upon creating turnovers to um, flip 
the advantage back to Oklahoma City in transition. But still, this Thunder team, despite that flaw, has one of the best cases in the NBA for being the best team, even though I would still go Boston. But has Josh Kitty figured something out? We'll talk about that coming up. But first, I want to tell you right now about our good friends over at FanDuel. FanDuel's great. You should go there right now, FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That is FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Check them out today. Whenever you do, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets. Win or lose when you place a $5 bet. Very cool, very good offer because this is a very good time to check out FanDuel. With FanDuel, you can bet on the NBA. If you only care about the NBA, that's perfectly fine. You can just bet on the NBA. You can bet on the NFL with the playoffs happening right now, starting out with Super Wild Card Weekend, college basketball, NHL, everything in action you can find at FanDuel with spreads, over-unders, prop bets, and more. Check it out at FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel.com slash locked on. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. Has Josh Giddy figured something out? It's no secret that Josh Giddy to this point has been struggling. But in this game against Portland, he was near perfect. The one blemish was a turnover. But besides that, he had 13 points in this one, 10 rebounds, all of which came on the defensive end, and 12 assists with three blocks, including a type of Jeremy Grant overall. Josh Giddy in a vacuum did exceptionally well on both ends of the floor. I do not think that this one game has changed everything. I think it could be used as a springboard to change everything. It could be used as a confidence gainer. It could be used as a momentum shifter. But this specific game, I think that there are more reasons why it happened than just he figured something out dramatically different. Talking strictly on the court, Josh Giddy is a good, talented basketball player just by himself. Now, there are constructs of lineups and of defensive coverages that make him look like a not good basketball player, which we've seen throughout this season. What Portland does with their zero, absolute nothing presence in the paint and their willingness to let you play small and not have a physical presence, their willingness to let you get inside and score at the rim, and their willingness to just be lackadaisical on offense, which results in deflections and results in, of course, being able to push the paint and transition and push the pace and transition because they're not trying to get back off of misses. They're not trying to get back um, you know, off of turnovers, which only had nine of, but still, they're, they're just not in any sort of urgency mode. And let's face it, they're also not trying to scheme their way to a win. And that's not a shot at Chauncey Billups. They've just got bigger fish to fry than scheming their way to defend Josh Giddy so they win a basketball game, right? So Portland's mindset and team construction, I think, played a massive part of why Josh Giddy was this good in the game. However, there were also things that I think that Josh Giddy can take and implement into every game, no matter how the team's defending him, no matter, no matter who's on the floor, any of that. But it must be said that before we talk about Josh Giddy's great game, Portland is the perfect matchup for Oklahoma City to play the way they want to play. They can put any lineup on the floor and not be overmatched, not be oversized, uh, and, and not be out physical. And so that lets them 
push the pace and transition. That lets them make up the rebounding battle. That lets them do all those things. Now, Josh Giddy, again, near perfect game from him. The only mistake he made was one single turnover. And for the usage that they kind of put on him in this game, that's expected. And it was was a low catch that he had that was just batted away and stolen away. And it allowed Scoot Henderson to go uh, and have a fast break. But the difference from Josh Giddy in this game and why he was so successful in conjunction with Portland's you know, bad defense and everything else. He found the balance that we talked about on Wednesday of being decisive, but under control. When he wanted to go score at the rim, he didn't just put his head down and ram right his way to the rim and just ill regard for whatever's happening around him. He's going to try to shoot the ball at the rim, predetermining his next step. The, the difference he made was he kept his options open. On his way to the rim, he continued to use his high-level vision uh, to try to find the advantage. And the advantage might be to take that shot, but the advantage also might be to kick it out to an open teammate and make passes that, you know, really, uh, Josh Giddy, you know, and you can you can throw in Mitrich in this game too. We had a, had a great, uh, you know, couple passes. Those two guys are like the only players in the roster who can make some of those passes that those two guys can make. I mean, just it is what it is. So he found that balance of being under control while being decisive, because previously he was way too indecisive. Then he went way too decisive. And now he's trying to walk it back a little bit, I think, um, with, with finding that that soft touch. Now, another area where he really improved is trusting himself as a transition option. Something that has been night and day difference uh, for Josh Kitty and what has really heightened the poor play at the beginning of this season has been his lack of confidence as a live dribble passer and his lack of confidence to be the one to bring the team up the floor in transition because that's where he's going to make his best plays. You go look at Josh Kitty's best plays of his career, and even in this season, it's been off of live dribble passes. And so when he's the one pushing in transition and you have all these weapons around him, like a Chet, like an SGA, like a J-Dub, who are fantastic at filling the lane, are fantastic at scoring in transition and can keep a defense off balance. It just makes everything run more smooth. So it's pace and his control were the two biggest things. But then also his engagement defensively was a lot better. And you know, again, Portland doesn't really care about this game, but to tie up Jeremy Grant, to, to, to plug the gaps very well when playing off ball, all those things helped the Thunder. He helped the Thunder on that end of the floor. And it wasn't just the three blocks. It was showing in the gaps. It was it was switching. It was getting to the boards, boxing out, getting rebounds. He did those things to allow himself to be serviceable. And that's all Josh Giddy has to do. Josh Giddy is a terrible point of attack defender. He's never going to be good at it. But he can be serviceable. And if you're serviceable on that end and ever figure it out on the offensive end you know, consistently and sustainably, then you have another, you know, a good basketball player on this roster. He has not been a good basketball player to this point in this NBA season, but we've seen him be a, a good basketball player previously on a lot of different stages in the NBL, in FIBA, and in stretches in the NBA. We've seen him be a really good basketball player. So I'm not going to say that this Portland game allowed Josh Giddy to figure something out or allowed Josh Giddy to take a leap or allowed Josh Giddy to do anything dramatic. I think that it should give him confidence on the court, 
I think that it showed that that player that can really play this style of up-tempo basketball is still in there. But he's got to figure out a way to be this impactful. And obviously, five for five shooting and and a triple-double and 12 assists and 10 rebounds, that part of the stat sheet is not sustainable. But be this level of an impact player when the game slows down. When defenses are scheming to put their big men on Josh Gideon to just kind of roam around. When it gets more difficult and crowded in the paint and there's more resistance. Everyone on the entire Thunder team could just walk their way to the rim. No one cared. No one cared on Portland. It's how you get down by 60. It's how you lose by a billion. But Josh Giddy played exceptionally well in this game. I mean, the touchdown pass to J-Dub to put it the Thunder up 40 was awesome. He did a lot better in this game, and it's only one game, but did a lot better at using his body as a weapon for him, as a scorer and getting into the paint harder uh, than he usually did. And it resulted in, uh, you know, an uptick for him, uh, you know, as an offensive weapon, but also at the free throw line, three free throw attempts, uh, a couple conversions at the line, four and ones, uh, just really, really good from Josh. I think that if you can get that level of engagement every night and that level of trust in himself to be a live dribble player, it changes a lot for what Josh Kitty can do because he shot the ball really well from December till now. So that part of it is coming around. It is what it is. You can wait for the other shoe to drop or just give him credit for shooting the ball well. But if he gets back to his level of passing and his level of creating with the defensive engagement that you saw against Portland, then his season can turn around a little bit better than it has been. But that was a fantastic Josh Giddy game in 22 minutes was a, was a plus 46 um, the best plus minus on the team for Josh Giddy, you know, for this team was Josh Giddy at plus 46 as he battled out the rest of the starters. I think that this was one of SGA's best games simply because he scored 12 points in the first quarter. And you look at that and you say, well, what's the big deal? He always scores double digit points in the first quarter. He didn't play the entire first quarter. He only played 10 minutes. And so he was still in that 10 minute window able to get 12 points. And he still while only playing 21 minutes, the entire contest got 31 points uh, with four assists and five rebounds. He got a block as well in this game. Shot 73% from the floor, one for three from three, eight for eight at the free throw line. The free throws starting to change a little bit for the Thunder overall. I mean, John, I mean you saw Josh Diego for three for three, S. Diego eight for eight. The really big issue has been shot home and still missing free throws. And you know, I'm, I'm not sure if this is anything at all, but, I, you know, you watch him and you watch his hat streak at the charity stripe and watch him now holding the ball a lot more at the free throw line. Is that anything? Is that nothing? Is he overthinking it? I, I don't really know. Uh, but hopefully for the Thunder's sake, because Ch- Chad Holmgren does do a really good job, especially for, for a rookie uh, at getting to the free throw line. Hopefully for the Thunder's sake, it does turn around. He starts to make those freebies. But SGA and Josh Goody were awesome. So were J-Dub. Everyone was awesome. You don't win by 60. <laughs> you get up by 60 if, if everyone's not playing awesome. We'll talk about the strange ending to this game and what the Orlando Magic game means for Oklahoma City. But first, I want to tell you right now about our good friends over at BetterHelp. BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA. Look, it, it's the new year. and 
you can be thinking to yourself, new year, new you, but what about just improving upon things you already do well or helping take yourself and empower yourself to go to the next level? Uh, this is where you get the helpful, positive coping skills and allow yourself to set boundaries and just really make yourself the best version of yourself. You can do all of that through the wonderful benefits of therapy and better help allows you to enjoy those benefits of therapy. Maybe, maybe you've been thinking, hey, you know, I, I want to try therapy. I want to get into it, but it's just too difficult. It's too difficult to to carve out the time in my busy schedule, my busy life, family, job, uh, my life, just everything. It's hard to go sit down at an office. That's okay, because BetterHelp is entirely suited around your schedule. They're entirely flexible with you. It's online at BetterHelp.com/lockdown. What you do is you fill out this questionnaire and you get matched up with a licensed therapist. Now, you can switch therapists at any time if, if you think that you can match with somebody better and vibe with somebody better, and that's at no additional cost. Until you find the one you feel comfortable with and find the therapist you want to continue with, then you can settle in and get through uh, you know, your time with BetterHelp at BetterHelp.com. You can go find your therapist for you with no extra charge until you find the right one. That's BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA. BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA. 10% off of your first month with that code. BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOnNBA. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. J-Dub, incredible, only one missed shot, 21 points. Uh, Lou Dort got hot in the third quarter, shot home run, 19 points, four rebounds, three assists, one steal. We've talked about all those guys. Those guys deserve a lot of credit for for the way they played, but... um, there's not much you can say because we know what those guys are capable of. They've been having great seasons to this point. You're not going to learn much about them playing against Portland, frankly. Did learn, though. Ask Chet after the game if he ever found out. If you remember last year, Chet Holmgren got four player votes. You know how the All-Star game, you know, you get voted on uh, with your peers, with coaches, and with fans. He had four votes from players. He never found out who those four votes were from. Jalen Suggs got a vote and he only got one, I have a feeling, sneaking suspicion, that Jalen Suggs voted for Chad. Chad voted for Jalen Suggs. Uh, I'm going to try to ask Jalen Suggs about that uh, against Orlando. We'll talk more about that Orlando game coming up, but let's wrap up this Portland game. Against Portland, Keontae Johnson had one of the most fascinating games that no one's going to talk about. He played in the blue back-to-back on Tuesday and Wednesday. and. On Wednesday, the Thunder held out Usman Jang from that blue game. And the blue only have had eight active players. Eight. So Keontae Johnson played heavy minutes in a game that went to overtime <laughs> for the blue against the Rio Grande Valley Vipers. With only eight active players, Keontae Johnson had a large task and no Usman Jang there uh, to, to kind of help to shoulder the load a little bit. And then on Thursday, Keontae Johnson gets his largest runway in the NBA. He plays 17 minutes in his third game in three nights. He plays rotational minutes on Thursday, you know, in in terms of just like bulk minutes. 17 minutes, you know, if you average that throughout the course of a season, you are clearly a rotational player. He played rotational style minutes on Thursday after playing starter minutes Tuesday, Wednesday, and going to overtime on Wednesday. Playing three games in a row is awesome. Uh, That happened with Trey Mann back in 2022, whenever he went to the Vegas showcase, then came back uh, for a game with the Thunder. The Thunder have done this before. 
Uh, I asked Mark about kind of the process of that. You gave a really good answer. You can go find it on Twitter at Ryland underscore styles. But basically uh, he mentioned that like, yeah, they did not expect to play Keontae at all 17 minutes. Like they called him and told him he'd be active tonight and told him that, you know, that, that they want to work him in. But by no means did anyone think that it would be 17 minutes on the back of what he did uh, with the blue this week. But he scores his first NBA bucket, goes two for five. That first bucket, by the way, you know, if you know Kathy Johnson, he had the the scare at Florida, the the, the heart issue. He's now have had a heart foundation set up, and he's been awesome working with, with that group. And then after Florida transferred to Kansas State last year, was a wrecking force for the Wildcats, helped them turn their program back around, helped them get to the tournament, and was one of the stories of the tournament, um, and then was drafted 50th overall by the Thunder. His time at Florida coincides with Trey Mann. Trey Mann assists on his first NBA bucket uh, for his first points. I uh, saw him walking after the game with a ball, and uh, Michael Martin asked him if uh, if he had to fight one for the basketball. He said no because he let uh, he let uh, Kendrick Williams go get the ball for him. Uh, obviously, very excited for his first NBA bucket. But I think that Kante Johnson using this as, as a springboard to a bigger topic. I think Kante Johnson is really going to be able to bust down the door of NBA opportunity because he has checked all the boxes in the G League. He is a fantastic transition threat, the best in the G League in transition. He is a fantastic uh, option as a cutter because of his athletic ability. Doesn't necessarily get to show that a ton in the G because of just the nature of the team and the construction of the team right now with OKC Blue. But I think that he can be a fantastic cutter. He's still shooting 40% from three, still shooting 40% on catch and shoot looks. Offensively, he has it. Plus, he has a little bit of post-up to his game. He's one of the best post-up players. I don't think that'll be a part of his Thunder career. One of his best post-up players uh, in the G League. You saw him in this game attack a hard closeout, get to the baseline, and get to that floater. He's really good at shooting at the rim, really good at shooting threes, and averages seven rebounds a game. And even though his, his size might not lead you to believe that he can clean the glass, he really uses his size well. He's able to box out. He's able to um, put a body on somebody. And as he collects seven rebounds a game, he also generates rebounds for other players because of it uh, on, on the longer rebounds that go out to guards, which the Thunder have guards who can cash in on those opportunities. So. Kansas Johnson has played so well. He's a really good defender in the G League level. Of course, the G League um, is set up for being high, you know, higher scoring. We're not going to dive into the, the G League semantics right now, but it's set up to, for totally offense. He does a really good job of defending even in that space. I think get even better in the construct of the Thunder, uh, you know, kind of universe with Kansas Johnson. I think that he's going to need opportunity in the in the NBA, and January is going to be the time to get it with all these back to backs with all of these. Uh, with all of these kind of just games blocked together, five games in seven nights is going to be very, 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 very tough. With that being said, I'll be very curious to see if he goes on the road trip to uh, the West Coast after this game against Orlando, uh, because I think that his time is coming sooner than later, and I think that he can be a very, very, very productive player in the NBA. I also want to talk about Trey Mann real quick. Trey Mann, you know, we can talk all about garbage time, but Trey Mann can't check himself into the game. Like he can only go into the game when the team puts him in. And every time the teams put him in, if you just watch him, he looks head and shoulders above where he was last year. He looks way more calm and way more playing at his own pace this year, way better vision, way better passing ability. The level of passes he's able to make now with the sheer velocity on the basketball to get it to the spot uh, quickly to anticipate where his teammates are going to go, which is a very tough skill. 
just in basketball, but an even tougher skill when you're not playing a lot and getting to have that on-court experience. So I think that I think that you can surmise from that he's done his job uh, in in the film room, so to say. Uh, but every time he's got a chance, he's been really good, and he's improved his defense by a country mile from where it started at. Uh, I don't know when it'll swing back to Trey Mann to play and try to prove it in more meaningful minutes. The one time it has against Houston, he was one of the best players in that game. It was a terrible game. It was a forgettable game. It was a game that the Thunder did not like anything about, but he was one of the bright spots in that game against Houston and Houston never they lost, uh, but he can't help that He's playing in garbage time. So we, we can add the qualifiers that all we want to about, about playing in garbage time. That's not his call. What is his call is the vast improvement he's made uh, year over year uh, from last year to this year for Oklahoma city. Uh, and for just himself as, as he continues to venture out. I think that facility may just give the thun- gave the Thunder a ton of quality minutes in those nine you know, minutes. It wasn't like, you know, it, it wasn't obviously high pressure minutes, but just focusing in on him and, and taking yourself away from the scoreboard, taking yourself away from the competition level. He looked better at just surviving in the NBA. Like he looked better at just not being overwhelmed by the level of athletes he was sharing the floor with. Um, and so that helped him out offensively and defensively. Offensively, you know what he's capable of as a passer. I think that he'll continue to, to round into form as a scorer. And from the day he signed until now, I've continued to say that he knew what he signed up for. I've continued to say that uh, you know the second half of the season in January was going to be a time for him to, to get rotational minutes. So far, it's playing out that way as he gets uh, some, some, some looks here. So, so far, so good with Micic kind of rounding into form. It was Portland. It was a blowout. This game against Orlando, I think, could be really fun. Orlando, though, is on the second night of a back-to-back, and they have a pretty lengthy injury report. Obviously, uh, having just played Miami down to the wire, too, in an emotional game, Paulo Bancaro already tweeted out about like how uh, he was he – was, you know, kind of felt feeling down and sorry about what happened against Miami. You know, he might come to this game extremely motivated, but just as of right now, these are the players that the Magic are missing: Wendell Carter, Markel Fultz, Gary Harris, Kev, uh, Kamon Harris, Jet Howard, Joe Ingles, Franz Wagner. That is a laundry list of, of a CVS receipt uh, of injuries. So the, the Magic will be shorthanded; they'll have to play a lot of their guys. Uh, and, and more of a stress test scenario not to kind of balance their rest on the second night of a back-to-back. Uh, obviously, you could miss some some high-caliber guys if none of those guys get upgraded between now and tip-off. For the Thunder, they truly have zero injuries, like zero. No one's with the G League team. Nobody's hurt. So the Thunder are going to have to make three healthy inactives. About 30 minutes before tip-off, we'll find out who those guys are. Uh, so it'll be fun. We'll be here to recap it all right here on Lockdown Thunder. So make sure you subscribe, 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 wherever you get your podcast from, including on YouTube. Follow me on Twitter and threads at Ryland underscore styles. And also, if you're at any Thunder game in section 104, we have stickers to pass out. So come collect one uh, if you want. So until then, be good. Be good to one another.